So if you don't mind, not to honor a man, but just to honor the gift of who he is, if you don't mind, stand your feet, honor Dr. Lynn, Ulrich, and Miss Peggy. Sweet, sweet, sweet Miss Peggy. That's from Alabama, by the way. Awesome. God bless you guys. Put your hands together and welcome these guys. Well, thank you for those kind words. I had to look around to see who he was talking about. Well, this is our first time to Maine, and we're loving it. Yeah. You know, you always hear about Southern hospitality, right? Uh, You guys rival the South in hospitality. Uh, We've been treated wonderfully since we've been here. Uh, Your kindness is really blessed us. We, we got back to where we were staying uh, the other night and we just started talking about something. I mean, these people are for real. <laughs> these people are for real. Let me start with a disclaimer this morning. I am not a preacher. Okay? I'm not an ordained pastor. Uh, I'm a clinical neuropsychologist by profession, uh, but I'm a Jesus freak by choice. You got any Jesus freaks in the house? Yeah. All right. Everybody say Jesus. Jesus. Again. Jesus. One more time. Jesus. Now, see, don't you feel better? Uh, no, I'm serious. Just the mention of his name, right? There are times when I walk around my house praying, and, 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 and that's all I'm saying sometimes is Jesus. 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 You know, the Bible says that. The mention of his name causes demons to tremble. Amen? Now, I don't know about you, but I love that image. When I say Jesus, some demon's going... (laughs) Now, as I said, I'm not an ordained pastor, but kind of see my role more as teacher and uh, the prophetic. But but I, I do get excited. So, as we go along this morning, if I get a little enthused and excited, you're just going to have to roll with me, okay? Woo! Now, I've, I've got um, quite a bit here to share with you. I've got about four or five hours worth of stuff, so strap in. <laughs> I will have you out by supper time. You think I'm kidding, don't you? Well, we, um, as, as uh, Pastor Quentin told you, uh, we've known he and his precious bride for uh, quite a while now. 19 years, I guess, huh? Yeah. Oh, and I, I have my precious bride with me. Raise your hand, baby. This Peggy. 49 years Thursday. And in our family, she's known as St. Peggy for putting up with me for 49 years. So um, we're so happy to be here. Uh, this morning, um, I want to talk to you a little bit about an event. It's called Baptism in the Holy Spirit. Now, uh, there's no way that uh, we're going to cover everything in a few minutes this morning. If you want a more detailed presentation of it, you can pick up a copy of my book. That's my only commercial break. Okay. All right. Um, I do get into it in more detail than that. I want to hit some highlights for you. This morning, though, 
But first, I want to start with uh, just telling you a little story, if that's okay. I, uh, I'm going to tell you a little bit about what happened to me first, all right? I, uh, for many, many years, was a committed atheist. Came out of college, kind of convinced there was no God. And even back then, when I was in college, I, I, I was searching. And so I, you know, I took a lot of philosophy courses, and I figured, hey, these are the great minds of, of, of the world. Surely they know something about life. So I, you know, I studied all the philosophers, existentialists, all that, uh, in addition to psychology. And at the end, I, you know, I said, these guys don't know any more about life than I do. So I don't think there's God. I don't think there's anything. So I, I became an atheist. And um, in spite of that, uh, my bride, who was raised in the church, married me. God put us together. You, you know that happens, don't you? God hooks people up. And uh, it might seem interesting that he would hook up a born-again Christian with an atheist but see, God doesn't just see you where you are right now, but where he's going to take you later and what he's going to transform you into later. Amen? So anyway, that, that rocked on for many years. Then an old high school friend of mine called me one time and said, Hey, Lynn, uh, we're getting a, a, a men's Bible study together, and I want you to come. Well, that's the last thing I wanted to do. Okay. And uh, so, you know, I didn't want to hurt my friend's <clears throat> feelings, so I said, okay, but what, what are we going to do? I mean, we're going to sit around talking about the meaning of life. I said, I already did that in college, all right? No, 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 we, we got a Bible teacher. I said, oh, okay, who is that? He said, Rex. Now, Rex and I went to high school together. We were very good friends. In fact, uh, we were big partiers. We were drinking buddies. We went to every country bar that would serve us in high school. And I said, Rex, you've got to be kidding me. No, no, man, no, Rex. Rex got saved a few years ago, and he's become a real uh, student of the Bible. Well, you know, Rex was very smart. He's a bright guy. So I said, oh, well, okay, well, you know, God knows how to hook each of us, doesn't he? And I've always been a very curious person. And so he hooked my curiosity. I said, I've got to go see this. <laughs> Rex? I mean, my, my distinct memory of Rex was uh, when we were seniors in high school on Mardi Gras Day. Now, you guys don't have Mardi Gras up here, but in South Louisiana, it's a big deal. And so uh, we, we double dated, and we, uh, we had been drinking all day. And so later on that evening, Rex got mad at his date because she kept talking about her old boyfriend. You know, that will kind of turn you off, you know? So Rex is kind of an impulsive guy, and so was I, and so he leaned over and said, we're taking them home. Now, I was having a great time with my date, but I was so impulsive back then, I said, let's do it, man. That's okay with me. So we took them home. By the time we got them home, it had gotten real foggy at night. So Rex took his... I'd already taken mine home. He, he dropped his off. He gets in the car, and he's still angry. It's his dad's car. He floors the accelerator, and um, about three blocks down, we were doing almost 50, and we hit a parked car. 
Now, you know, that, that'll kind of get your attention. And I went through the windshield. And Rex, being a good friend that he is, grabbed me by the seat of the pants and drugged me back through the broken glass. We got out of the car, didn't have a scratch on us. We got off into somebody's front yard. We looked at each other. The car was totaled, smoke everywhere. And we looked at each other and said, where's our booze? You think we were a little bit lost at the time? So this is what I'm thinking when my friend says Rex is going to be our Bible teacher. Yeah. So I went. So on Tuesday night I went. And, of course, I noticed two things that night. First of all, this was not the same Rex. Rex had always been a little rough around the edges. This Rex, sitting in front of me, was very kind, very loving, very gentle. And, of course, I'm trying to figure this out, you know. I mean, I'm a psychologist by profession. I should figure this out. Well, I couldn't. The other thing I noticed was he knew what he was talking about. He really knew Scripture. He knew the Bible. So I kept going back every Tuesday night. Well, over several weeks, the evidence for the existence of God kept building up. So finally, I had to say, you know, maybe, maybe this atheist thing is not correct. You know, okay, I accept that there is a God. But I hadn't settled this Jesus thing yet. One night, uh, I'm watching TV and... My family had gone to bed, and I came across a Billy Graham crusade, and, and normally I would just slide right on by those, you know. But this time I stopped, I started watching and listening, and by, by the end of his message, they were putting a, a number up on the bottom of the screen. He said, if you have questions, call. Next thing I know, I'm calling it number. Yeah. Sweet little voice answers. Yes, uh, may I help you? I don't know. Brilliant answer, right? She said, um, well, do you have questions? I said, yes. I have a lot of questions. I just don't have any answers. So I was telling some of these, these precious young people last night, she, the Holy Spirit just obviously spoke to her and told her what my problem was. Because she said, well, are you born again? And I said, uh, I don't think so. What would you like to be? And that phrase, born again, had always turned me off. But that night, it it was like fresh air. And I thought, born again, wouldn't that be cool? Start over? So I said, uh, she said, would you like to be? And I said, well, yes, but what's the procedure for that? What a nerdy thing to say, huh? What's the procedure for that? Bless her heart, she started just giving me some scripture and walking me through the salvation message. And then at the end, she said, well, let's pray. So she led me in that prayer. And then afterwards, she said, well, how do you feel? And I said, great. She said, oh, oh, uh, well, uh, now, it may take a few days for you to notice a difference. I said, no, you don't understand. I feel great right now. (laughs) Bless her heart.
She said, oh, praise God, praise God. <laughs> so hung up the phone, got down on my knees, started praying. About two months later, and I kept going to Bible class, about two months later, Rex had been teaching on water baptism. And I didn't think I needed that. I didn't think I needed to do that. But you know how when you get an epiphany, you know, from the Lord, revelation? Toward the end of the the class, I I got it. And I said, I'm supposed to do this. So I looked at Rex. I said, "Uh, Rex, um, who can water baptize me? He said, well, Len, any born-again believer can do it. Uh, Can you do it? He said, yeah. I've done it lots of times. I said, well, good. My, My friend who was hosting had a swimming pool. I said, let's go out here in the swimming pool. You can baptize me. Now, you know, when you don't want to do something, Rex had all kinds of excuses that night. Well, Lynn, you know, um, it's kind of cool out there tonight. And, uh, you know, no problem. It's a heated pool, Rex. <laughs> he said, well, I know, but uh, we don't have any swimming suits. I said, no problem. We'll strip down to our underwear. Now, he wasn't real keen on that idea, okay? So I said, you would just strip down. He said, well, you know, I promised my wife I'd get home earlier tonight, you know. And I finally, and I know now it was the Holy Spirit. I looked at him. I said, you don't understand. I'm getting water baptized tonight, and you're going to do it. So Rex, sensing that the Spirit was going on, something was going on with him, he said, all right, then, okay, let's go. So we go outside, start stripping our clothes off. I turn around. The other 10 men in the class thought that was a good idea, too. So they came out, and they're stripping down also. Yeah. Rex didn't bargain for that one, okay? So we get in the pool. He baptizes me first. And so I walked off to the side, you know, and I thought, well, I mean, nothing dramatic happened. I didn't feel anything special. But I figured, you know... Okay, I, I did what the Lord wanted me to do, so okay. Now, what happened next, I will never forget. He starts baptizing these other men, and every single one of them, when they came up out of the water, they were praying in tongues, different languages. And I'm looking at this, checking this out, and I'm saying, hmm, now this is interesting. What is going on here? See, I knew nothing about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Rex had not taught on that. None of these men knew anything about it. You see, it was a sovereign act of God. And so I'm watching this, and these guys are coming up, and I mean, and, and some of them were kind of a rough, rough around the edges, but they're coming up, and they're praising God, and they're, they're praying in tongues, and I can see the joy all over them. So I go over to Rex, and I said, uh, when he finished, I said, I don't feel right. He said, why not? I said, well, I'm not doing that. (laughs) Okay? And uh, I don't feel right. He said, well, well, okay, okay. Uh, I said, I want you to pray for me. He said, no problem. So he lays hands on me and starts praying. It's the only time, really, uh, only one other time has this happened to me where they call it being slain in the spirit, where all the strength goes out of you and you just kind of go down. Um, it's only happened to me one other time when I was at home praying alone. 
But I went down, and Rex had to grab me. Another guy grabbed me uh, so I wouldn't drown, I guess. And um, that went on for a little while, and then, and then all of a sudden I just got filled with this incredible feeling of love that I had never, ever had before, not like that, and peace. And I opened my mouth, and I started singing in this foreign language that I'd never heard before. Now, there, was, there were two miracles going on that night. One is that uh, I, I received the Holy Spirit with evidence of speaking in tongues. The other was that I was singing. My wife will attest to this fact. I cannot carry a note in a handbasket. Okay? When I sing in church, I can clear people out. Or, okay? No, I'm serious. I cannot sing. But I was singing that night. And that went on for a while. When it stopped, all the strength came back in my body, and I stood up. And I've never been the same since. Never been the same since. Everything in my life changed. You know, getting born again was great. I mean, that helped me a lot. But the baptism in the Holy Spirit was the, that was the critical signal event that really began to change everything in my life. Which is why, over the years, God started dealing with me about writing that book. Because, and, and I call it the agent of change because of what he did for me. And what I've seen him do for many, many other people. He transforms us into what? Well, the likeness of Jesus. That's, that's his job. Amen? All right? So, let's talk a little bit about the baptism. I know your pastor has taught on it. I taught on it some and... Uh, I just kind of want to whet your appetite a little bit this morning. Uh, some of you have already received that. That's awesome. Some of you are thinking about it, searching. Great. I want to whet your appetite a little bit this morning. Now, I believe this. To fully understand something, you need to look at both sides of an issue. Would you agree on that? See, a lot of people form their opinions uh, based on just one side of an issue. And that's okay, but you're going to miss out on a lot. And you may be choosing the wrong side. You see, that's what happened to me when I became an atheist. I read all this stuff. I read all kinds of books. Uh, never read the Bible, though. Just one little omission there. Never read the Bible. Never studied the Bible. That's the other side of the issue, is it not? Okay? Atheism says there is no God. The Bible says, oh, only a fool says that. And that was me. <laughs> Grade A fool. So I believe you have to consider all different sides of an issue. So let's, let's do a little bit of that this morning. Is that okay with y'all? By the way, worship team, raise your hands. Yeah, you guys can get it. All right. If you don't know that, uh, you, you got you have an awesome worship team. All right. Yeah. Show your appreciation. Now, let me tell you why that's important. 
And your pastor mentioned it when he was praying. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit inhabits the praises of his people. All right? Now, I've been to a lot of churches over the years speaking, and uh, some have been great. Some have awesome worship teams, and some, they're just playing music. You know what I mean? They're just playing music. They're just singing. See, worship teams, it's not just leading us in singing and worship and songs. A true worship team worships while they're up here. You see what I'm saying? It's a, they're worshiping, and worship sets the tone for everything else that goes on in a meeting. It sets the tone for everything. When the worship team is anointed, and by the way, these people are, in case you didn't know it, and when they get up there and they start worshiping, and that anointing drops, it leads us into worship and into the presence of God. Amen? Amen. Okay, now, I could go on for a while on that. I better not. All right. Now, I believe this. I think that God has put in our DNA, in our genes, uh, this uh, hunger and ability to know him. I believe it's in there, in every human being. Why? Because he wants a relationship with us. Now, how do we get that? Well, I believe that the, the only way that happens is when we come into relationship, obviously with Jesus, but also with the Holy Spirit. You know, it, it always grieves me when I hear people refer to the Holy Spirit as it or an influence, something like that. You know, the Bible says he is what? Third person in the Trinity. Amen? Person. And I believe it's through him that we can function the way God wants us to. Now, I want to address just a few uh, arguments against this experience. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because if you're, not, if you're not familiar with the arguments and the proper response to them, you may get deceived. And there's a lot of teachings going on and have been going on for some time that I believe have deceived Christians. Okay? Not just non-Christians, but Christians. The body of Christ. For example, one, one argument is that the baptism of the Holy Spirit along with the gifts of the Holy Spirit passed away with the apostles. They ended with the apostolic age. You ever hear that one? Huh? And so they don't, they don't apply to us today. Now, what we see uh, in the book of Acts, actually, some people say, that, you know, it, their argument is, well, it ended with the apostles because, uh, you know, toward the end of Acts, you don't see it mentioned much. The gifts of the Spirit, baptism of the Spirit, that sort of thing. So they say, well, see, it was declining. It was declining. And then when the apostles died, it ended. Uh, there's just one problem with that. There is no scriptural support for that. None. All right? And we see toward the end of the book of Acts, we see in Acts 27, 
9 to 34, we see prophecies. Acts 28, 36, we see healing. Acts 28, 8 to 9, we see signs and wonders. Acts 23 and 11, we see the visitation by Jesus. Now, you see, if it ended with the apostles, why would Paul spend so much time teaching on the gifts and on the baptism in the Holy Spirit? If it ended, he was wasting a lot of time and energy, wasn't he? And who was he teaching it to? Not other apostles. Uh, They didn't need that teaching. They were walking in it. He was teaching it to other believers, other Christians. You with me? Okay. Now we see in Mark 16, 17 and 18. And these signs will accompany those who believed, those who have believed. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will pick up serpents. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So I want to ask you, if if salvation through Christ, water baptism, communion, and the Great Commission, and everything else we see in the New Testament did not pass away with the apostles, why would the gifts of the Spirit and the baptism and the Holy Spirit pass away? See, it makes no sense, does it? Okay? And when you ask that question to to people who don't believe in it, they can't answer it. Why, why would that pass away if nothing else in the New Testament has changed or passed away? Now, some argue, well, spirit baptism and the gifts of the Holy Spirit were given to only the apostles specifically to empower them to fulfill the Great Commission. Now, my response to that is, when the Lord commanded to go to the uttermost parts of the earth... With the gospel, did that apply to just the apostles? Ah, thank you. I believe it uh, it applies to you, and I think it applies to you, and to you, and to you, and to me, right? Uh, That being the case, and knowing our Lord, don't you think he would empower us? The same way he empowered the apostles to go do it? Sure. Okay? You know, Scripture says what? Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What he did then, he does today. Oh, I'm getting excited now. Okay? We see later, Peter is talking. Acts 2.38, he says... Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. But, but, but listen, for the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Now, what does that sound like to you? I believe it's everybody. And not just for that time period. It says, and your children and all who are called by the Lord Jesus. Who's that? It's everybody in this room and a lot of other places. Okay? Now, 
Here's, here's something else that we have to address. Many people, and I've heard this over and over again, many people say, oh, well, I have, I have the Holy Spirit. I, I received the Holy Spirit when I got saved. And I say, well, that's right, you did. That's absolutely right. We can't get saved without the Holy Spirit. That's his job, right? Bring people to Christ. But is there a difference between salvation and the baptism in the Holy Spirit? This is an important issue because, you know, people feel like they already have the Holy Spirit. You can't convince them that, that they need something else. You with me? So let's look at Luke 3.16. John the Baptist is talking. And he says, as for me, I baptize you with water, but one is coming who is mightier than I, and I am not fit to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. You see, John was differentiating here between these two spiritual experiences. He baptized unto repentance, right, and said, believe in he who is coming, who is Jesus. So essentially... Paul, uh, uh, John the Baptist was getting people saved, correct? I mean, two things, repent and believe in the Messiah. Now we see again, Jesus made the same distinction. I mean, some people say, well, yeah, but John the Baptist, he didn't really mean that. What, but what did Jesus say? Okay? See, if we look at uh, Acts 1, 4, and 5, he says... And gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father, what the Father promised. Which, he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And he went on to say, but you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you'll be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem in all Judea and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Now, who was he speaking to? Uh, He wasn't speaking to non-believers. You see, they were already saved. Now, how do we know that? Well, because in John 15, 3, he says, Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken to you. Now, if you look that word up clean, which I have this tendency to do, I'm a word person, and I, I look at every little word, and I look them up. You know, it comes from the Hebrew word katharos, which literally and figuratively means clean, pure, clean and pure. So basically, he's telling them, okay, guys, you know, you're clean. You're saved because you believe in me. You've You've repented of your sins, all right? But what did he say? He said, but, but something's coming that's a little different, a little different. And you all know the story. He says, wait, hang out in Jerusalem because uh, the promise is coming. So they did, praise God. And we see later on where they're all in the upper room, Mark's house, 120 of them hanging out, doing what? Well, what, what y'all were doing earlier worshiping and praying. And the Bible says what? Holy Ghost comes sweeping in. And like 
cloven tongues of fire sits on everybody's head, right? And they are transformed. And they all start speaking in tongues. And they come out, come outside, and of course it was what? Pentecost. Jews had come in from all surrounding nations to celebrate that Jewish holiday, okay? Spiritual holiday. And so they're checking these people out and say, man, what's going on here? This one is uh, praising God in my language. And that one over there is uh, praising God in, in, in that language. And, of course, there's always a critic, right? Somebody says, oh, they're just all drunk. <laughs> now, listen, folks. You know, I, I'm transparent. Back in my wild and woolly days, I was a heavy drinker. Got drunk lots of times. Never spoke in tongues. <laughs> there were times I had trouble speaking clearly. <laughs> so Peter, bless his heart, stood up, said, These guys aren't drunk. It's just 9 o'clock in the morning, man. What are you talking about? And then Peter starts preaching. A sermon, right? And it must have had a tad bit of anointing on it because 5,000 people gave their heart to the Lord that day. Huh? Now, this is the same Peter who not too long before that denied Christ three times. Right? So what happened that day? Peter, and I, and, and I do a little personality analysis in the book of Peter and Paul, both before Pentecost and after. You know, before Pentecost, Peter, you know, he was the first to speak, the first to act. He was impulsive, all right? And what did he do? He waffled. He waffled. You know, Jesus told him, oh, you, you, you know, he, he's telling Jesus, oh, I'll do anything for you. I'll, uh, you know, I'll do it. He said, yeah, well, before the cock crows, uh, you'd be denying me three times. And he did. Did he not? But after that experience in the upper room, he comes out. He stands up and he preaches this sermon, which must have had a tad bit of anointing on it. Because 5,000 people. Now, I think most pastors would be really pleased with that one. Amen? Yeah. You see, I want you to see what happens when people receive. Jesus said, and you shall receive power. Now, that's great and that's wonderful. But I don't want you to get too hung up on that. I believe this, it empowers us to serve God more effectively, all right? But I don't want you seeking the baptism in the Holy Spirit just to receive power, all right? I believe it brings us into a greater intimacy with God. It's all about intimacy, okay? You know, before I got, you know... When I got saved, I, you know, I prayed, you know, and all that. But, I, I, you know, I just always felt like God is, he's up there somewhere. I don't know where, you know. And I talked at him. Got filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, 
I'm talking with him. I'm having dialogue with him. And he's right here. Okay? It's that intimacy that I want you to focus on. Because people get too hung up on, oh, you're going to get power. And, 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 you know, we've heard all kinds of teachings on it. Some have been great. You know, oh, you, you receive the Holy Spirit, you're going to have power. And you're going to move in miracles and all. And, and you might. Okay? But I don't believe that's the main reason for seeking. If you want to get closer to God, if you want to have a deeper, more intimate relationship with Him, this is the vehicle for that. I'm going to skip over a few things. Well, wait a minute. Before we do, let me do, let me do a little demonstration for you. Noah, my man. A lot of times people teach and they say, if you want more of God, seek the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Well, you know what? That's true. You'll get more of him. But you know what really the issue is? He wants more of us. Okay? I think what holds a lot of people back, people will seek and seek and seek the baptism and they don't seem to be receiving because I want more of you. I want more of you. Well, good. But he wants more of you. All right? Now, let me, let me show you something. Because people say, well, you know, uh, when I got saved, I got the Holy Spirit. And I say, yeah, you're right. See, water in the, in the Bible is often used as what? A typology of the Holy Spirit, correct? Okay. So we have, a, we have a glass here. What happens when we get saved? If the glass is you, this is the Holy Spirit. Okay. He comes inside. See, Jesus said the Spirit will be with some and in some. Well, I see this as with, all right? He's with us. Oh, what happens, though, when we receive the baptism? Watch. Now, where is the water relative to the glass? Huh? Everywhere. See, before it was just touching the inside, was it not? Now, there's not a part of that glass that isn't touched by that water. Top, bottom, sides, inside, edges. This is what happens, basically. Okay? Now, I know I'm, I'm, maybe I'm oversimplifying, but as I told some folks the other night, I'm a reductionist in my thinking. I like to reduce complex things to their simplest parts. This is, this is the difference when people say, well, yeah, I got saved. I have the Holy Spirit. And I say, absolutely. That's right. But there's another experience. There's another one. And the best way to describe it is you become immersed in the Spirit. All right? Engulfed by Him. There's not a part of you now that He doesn't have. Do you have more of Him? Sure. Oh, but he has all of you now. Okay? We may not get all of him, but he's got all of us. Okay? Thanks, Noah. Put that down. Give Noah a hand, man. All right, I know time's getting short, but I came all the way from Louisiana to share with you. So cut me a little slack on time, okay? Let's talk about the most controversial thing about the baptism. What is it? Tongues. So much has been said 
and taught about that one thing, tongues. And there's a lot of really error, uh, incorrect teachings, and downright goofiness out there about tongues. Some believe that it's possible to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit without initial evidence of tongues. Well, you know, God is sovereign. He can do whatever he wants. But it's, to me, it's very unlikely because uh, there's no scriptural evidence for that. If we see in the book of Acts, every time people received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, they spoke in tongues. And I can give you all kinds of scriptures to support that. There's only two places where it doesn't say specifically that they spoke in tongues, but it's strongly implied. One time is when Philip goes down to Samaria, goes in, and Philip was on fire for God. He starts preaching, and it says, uh, most of the city believed what he said, got saved, and were water baptized. Now, pastor, wouldn't you be happy if most of your city got saved. Most pastors would love that. But you know, the apostles in Jerusalem weren't just completely satisfied with that. So they sent, they sent Peter and John down there to, the Bible says, complete the work. Complete the work. So I had to ask, well, oh, complete, what does that mean? Well, if we read on, it says that they, when they got down there, They prayed for people to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Now, it doesn't say specifically that they spoke in tongues, but check out what happens. There's this guy named Simon. He's he's walking around following them, and he then goes up to Peter and says, I want to offer you some money. I want to pay you to give me that power, that gift of praying for people to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So now, let me ask you, can you see the Holy Spirit? No. But you can see external manifestations of him, can you not? See, Simon saw something happening, and I believe it was people receiving and praying in tongues. Okay? Later on, we know Paul... Paul got, he received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It doesn't say that at the moment he received, he prayed in tongues. But he says later, I thank God I pray in tongues more than all of you. Must have been a pretty good thing, or Paul wouldn't say that, right? And he sure spent a lot of time teaching on it. I mean, what would be the point? Okay? Now... When people, people will ask me, they'll say, um, do I, when, when I receive the Holy Spirit, do I, have to, do I have to pray in tongues? I think that reflects sort of um, sometimes a, a fear of being embarrassed uh, or a prejudice against it or sometimes just a lack of knowledge about it. Let me tell you this story. I, I had this patient one time, and... And, and I, I don't, you know, I don't force anything on, on my patients, but invariably God opens the door for me. And as a result, 
I've, I've been able to lead a lot of people to the Lord in my office, uh, get them baptized in the Holy Ghost in my office. I've even cast some demons out in my office, which kind of disturbs the rest of the staff. Uh, not so much now because my wife manages my practice. But at, at one time I was with a larger psychiatric group. You know, sometimes when you, you do deliverance, some kind of strange things happen. You know, people roll around on the floor and throw up and uh, kind of mess your office up for a while. But I was talking with this, this gentleman who, who was an atheist, by the way. I'd seen him for quite a while, and we treated some issues he was having. And so one session he comes in, and he starts telling me about somebody who apparently was witnessing to him, talking to him about God and all this. And, and, and you know, and I'm sitting there going, yeah, I want to jump on this one. Okay, but, you know, the Holy Ghost reined me in, and he said, just wait, just wait. Okay, just wait. So he, he went on and on and on about it, and finally he stopped, and he, and he looked at me and he said, you don't believe all that, do you? Oh, well. <laughs> See, I pray God open a door. Well, he, he sometimes just swings it off the hinges, okay? He said, you don't believe all that, do you? Uh, Doc, I said, well, yes, I do. He, he was taken aback. He looked at me. He said, I don't believe that. I can't believe it. I, I said, now, this was absolutely the Holy Ghost because the next thing came out of my mouth, I said, well, I can't believe. He, oh, I said, why, why is that? He said, I said, because you think I'm too smart for that? He said, yeah, yeah, that's it because you, you're too smart for that. And I looked at him and I said, well, I can't believe you're not smart enough to see it. Now, you know, that's one of those things as it comes out, you want to pull it back in. Huh? Has that ever happened to you? I mean, I don't talk like that to patients, okay? And he sat there and he was just stunned. Total silence for, it got real uncomfortable. (laughs) Then he looks at me and says, oh, okay, I got to go now. He gets up and he leaves and he does not reschedule. So I'm thinking, oh, way to go, R.H., you ran that one off. Didn't hear from him again. He didn't come back. Didn't hear from him again. Well, several months later, I'm in my office on a Friday afternoon trying to wrap things up. I'd had a long, tiring week. I'm sitting there. Secretary buzzes me. Dr. Arch, um, I have so-and-so on the phone. He wants to talk to you. I'm going, uh, Okay. So, you know, I said, hello. He says, Dr. Arch, this is so-and-so. You remember me? I said, mm, yeah. He said, you remember that last session we had together? Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, you remember what you said to me? I'm thinking, here it comes. Yes. He said, well, you know, when I left your office, I couldn't stop thinking about that. He said, I could not stop thinking about that. You see, well, you know what was happening? Holy Ghost was all over him, okay? Drawing him in. And he said, this, he said, this went on for, for a few weeks. I couldn't stop thinking about it. And he said, you know, then I'm, I was out in my backyard one, one afternoon barbecuing, 
And he said, my next door neighbor came over. And he said, I started sharing with him what, what happened, what you told me. And we started talking. Yeah, his next door neighbor was a Baptist pastor. <laughs> you see how God works? You know, he orchestrates things. You know, one plants, one waters, God gives the increase. So by, he said, and you know, he started talking to me. And, and by the time it was over, right there in my backyard, I gave my heart to the Lord. Yeah. And he said, I'm going to church now. I'm in a Bible study now. Everything has changed. And he said, and you know what? It was, it was that thing that you said to me that started it. See, let me hit some questions that I, I, I hear very often when I talk to people about the baptism. One I touched on earlier, they say, well, do, do I have to speak in tongues? And I tell them, no, you don't have to. Uh, but God will give you a prayer language. When you receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, uh, you will receive a prayer language. Now, what you do with it is up to you. Okay? He won't force you to do anything. You have absolute control over it. You can start it. You can stop it anytime you want. Now, it's the Holy Spirit giving you utterance, giving you the words but you're in control of it just like you're in control of your native language. You can start it and stop it anytime you want. No, you don't have to use it, but you will receive it. Okay? And I believe, uh, as an aside, let me just say this. You know, I know a lot of spirit-filled believers, been spirit-filled for years. They rarely ever exercise their prayer language. They rarely ever speak in tongues. And I think that is so tragic. Because, and people say, well, what's the, what's the big deal with, with tongues? Well, Paul said, when I pray in tongues, I am edified. Edified, meaning what? Look it up. It means built up, strengthened, enhanced. You see, I believe that tongues is a is a tool that God gives us, okay, to help us get through life. And who doesn't need to be strengthened now and then? I mean, I raise my hand. Okay? And so, it, 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 it's all about the purpose of tongues, all right? And I, and I always say to people, well, you're not sure you want that because you know he brings that with him he brings it with him that's one of the things he brings with him when you are baptized in the holy spirit i said now he brings a lot of other things look up galatians 5:22 all the fruit of the spirit uh, love peace joy kindness meekness and i ask him uh which one of those would you reject huh which one of those would you say no to because if, if you tell me one of them, uh, come to my office, we're going to have a talk. You see, if you, I, and I tell people, you're not seeking tongues, you're seeking the Holy Spirit. And everything that He brings with Him. Now people who are born again, yes, they already have a lot of, they have a, they, I've seen some born again believers operating in the fruit of the Spirit. That's awesome. Okay? 
they're, they're doing it. They're bearing fruit. But the infilling of the Spirit ratchets all of that up. I want you to think of it in terms of it's an increase. It's not, it's not necessarily different. It's just an increase in magnitude, in power, in intensity, and more importantly, intimacy. Intimacy. You know, the, the Bible says faith comes by hearing, right? And hearing by the Word of God. Well, I, I tell people all the time, you need to pray in your prayer language a lot. Why? Because when you do, you're hearing. You're hearing the Word of God. You may not understand it, but your spirit man does. And when you hear it, your faith rises. Why? Because it is tangible, palpable proof of His existence. Do you understand? You can't pray in tongues on your own. Because if, if you do, and one of the criticisms today is, you know, it's referred to as ecstatic utterance. Some of you pastors have probably heard that argument, uh, ecstatic utterance. It really means just gibberish. People are just making it up. I've talked to people in other denominations. They don't believe in it. They've been taught that it doesn't exist. And they say, well, people who pray in tongues today, it's just gibberish. Oh, really? I say, well, um, from a psychological standpoint, um, we call that neolalia. Neologisms are just words that people make up, all right? And in the mental health profession, you examine a patient that's engaging in neolalia, uh, you're seeing a really disturbed person. They're schizophrenic, they're blatantly psychotic, all right? And so my argument is, well, if that's true, if it's just gibberish neolalia, then we have millions of Christians walking around who are blatantly psychotic. And you know what? Uh, My experience is uh, with somebody with uh, real florid psychosis, it's just not one little part of their life. Okay? You know, you do not have to be a trained psychologist to know when somebody is crazy. Isn't that true? I mean, you're around somebody who's really mentally disturbed, doing, saying things, doing things in their life that are weird. Uh, you know, you may not have the diagnosis for it, but you walk away going, oh, that guy's weird, man. Uh, we, we, don't, we need to stay away from him. He's really strange. You see, their arguments do not hold water. Nor are they scriptural. You with me? And it's important that you understand that because some of you have come in from other backgrounds, other churches, and maybe you're, you're new to this, you, you're not sure you understand it. That's fine. I get that. I understand. Okay? But, but look at the other sides of the issue. Now, some, one question I get a lot is, well, when I receive the Holy Spirit, will I lose control and babble hysterically? Well, Scripture says they spoke in tongues. 
It doesn't say they babbled hysterically. It says they spoke in tongues. Also, I want you to understand, God is a gentleman. He's not going to make a fool out of you. All right? And I've seen people receive in all kinds of different ways. I've seen them receive very quietly. They start praying in their prayer language very softly. You can hardly even hear it. Some, yeah, a little more enthusiastic. But that's more a function of their personality style most of the time. All right? But you won't babble hysterically. Why? Because you are in control of it, as I said earlier. You're in control of it. All right? Now, another question is, do I have to speak in tongues to be saved? Absolutely not. As I said before, these are separate spiritual experiences. We have salvation, we have water baptism, we have spirit baptism. You do not have to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit to be saved. Some people, some denominations teach that. And I believe that's error. Okay? Because we've just touched on a few things here showing that these are separate spiritual experiences. All right? So, no, you do not have to receive that to be saved. Now, what do you have to do to receive? Well, first of all, you've got to accept Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. First step. Okay? See, the, the Holy Spirit, you know, check out his name. Holy Spirit. Holy. He won't go into an unholy vessel. He won't go into a dirty house. Okay? He, he, he may have a little OCD. All right? Uh, obsessive compulsive disorder. He likes a clean vessel. All right. Well, it, it's salvation that cleans the vessel. You with me? Okay. Secondly, you need to ask. You just need to ask Jesus. Jesus is the baptizer. Okay. John the Baptist told us that. He said he will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. Jesus is the baptizer. Now, those of you in this room who you've given your heart to the Lord, you're born again, how did you get that? How did you receive? Uh, I think you asked, didn't you? you? You had this revelation, like I did that night in my den, talking to the sweet little lady, uh, that I was a sinner. And that uh, I needed a Savior. I needed to repent. Okay? Now, once you do that, you start asking God. Yes, Jesus, baptize me in your Holy Spirit. Okay? Ask and you shall receive. Uh, You have not because you ask not. You know those scriptures? See, don't complicate it. Let's keep things simple. All right? You ask. Thirdly, what do you, what, what, what's next? Well, I believe that you have to set pride aside, humble yourself, and receive on his terms. 
not yours. I've talked to so many people over the years. They say, oh, yeah, okay, uh, I, I want the Holy Spirit, and he can baptize me, but, and here it comes, but uh, I only do it if my pastor prays for me, or I'll only do it, uh, uh, i only receive when I'm home alone, or I'll only, they said all these conditions, okay? He will not come on your terms, all right? So he says, he says he gives the Holy Spirit to he who obeys. What does that mean? Well, I call it selling out to God, all right? It's just, okay, Lord, do what you want with me. Okay? I give my life to you. Do whatever you want. Oh, now some people say, ooh, that's scary. Well, it would be if you were talking to anyone else but God. But you can trust God. He always has your best interest at heart. Amen? Okay? But what he's looking for is obedience do what you want okay you know I, I tell people hey look do what you want Lord if that means standing me on my head in the corner and spinning me like a top if that pleases you do it so if, if you if you come with that kind of heart you're going to receive now, I'm going to close with, I'm going to tell you one more quick story. Is that okay? I had a patient who, and God just, again, opened the door on this. Uh, I'd been seeing him a while, and he, was a t- he started attending a, a, a spirit-filled church in a, a neighboring city, neighboring town. And so I asked him, I said, well, do you like that? And I was familiar with the church. I knew the pastor. I said, well, how do you like it? He said, well, I really like it a lot. He said, but, you know, there's something, that, I don't know, uh, this tongues thing, you know, people speaking in tongues. He said, I, I, I don't know about that. I, I, you know, I have some doubts about that. So, you know, I shared, shared a little bit from the Bible with him, you know, and he still, I could tell, he still was skeptical. So I said, I'll tell you what, I'll make a deal with you. You're not sure all that's of God? He said, no, I'm not. I said, well, why don't you pray? Why don't you go to the source? Are you willing to ask him, Lord, and he, this guy was saved, he was born again. He said, are you willing to ask him, uh, if this is of you, show me? He said, yeah, I can do that. I said, okay, I'm pretty sure he'll show you. So he leaves, comes back a week later. Walks in, and boy, I could tell something had happened. Sits down, and I said, well, how are you? He said, oh, man, I'm great. He said, I, I need to tell you what happened. He said, I did exactly what you suggested. I, I prayed, I asked God, okay, this tongues thing, if this is of you, you need to show me. I said, okay, what happened? He said, well, I went to church, and he said, we're having worship. And he said, this, this uh, uh, sweet little lady was standing right next to me, and he said, something caught my ear, and she was praying real softly, and he said, I started listening. And he said, um, 
worship was over, I turned to her and I said, where did you learn Latin? She said, uh, I don't know Latin. He said, well, I grew up in a Catholic church. I was an altar boy for many years. You just said the Lord's Prayer in perfect Latin. I said, what happened then? He said, oh, she started praising God. She said, I've been praying, asking God, if, it, if it's a known language, show me. Yeah. You see, one of the arguments against tongues today is that they're not, there's no known languages. Okay? Well, occasionally, and there's all kinds of, and I go over it in the book, there's all kinds of documented uh, examples that people have recognized the language. You see, when Jesus said they'll speak in new tongues, it means not only new to the receiver, but sometimes new to the listener. But sometimes they, it's recognized. And so I said, well, what did you do then? He said, oh, when he gave the altar call, I went up. He laid hands on me, and I received, and he said, now I have my language. Yeah. Isn't God cool? Huh? You see, if you really want to know and you want things from God, ask. Ask, and he's going to show up. Now, let me say this, too, and I'll close. And I know I said that 30 minutes ago, but some people, you know, they, they, they pray and they ask, and they come up for altar calls and things like that, and they don't receive. And so they get discouraged, and they say, well, something, maybe something's wrong with me. Maybe he doesn't love me enough. Maybe a, or maybe he doesn't want to give that to me. And so they struggle. And sometimes it goes on for quite a while. And some of you may be like that. Some of you maybe have been asking and you have yet to receive. My word to you is do not quit. Keep asking. It's on his terms and his timing. All right? Some people, for some reason, receive right away. Others, takes a while. Why is that? I don't know. And I don't care. I just tell you to keep seeking. Okay? You know, the, uh, my first pastor, uh, who, who actually founded the church uh, that I go to many years ago, when I got saved and went, you know, I started going to his church, he kind of took me under his wing. Very, very awesome man of God. And he told me, and this guy operated in all the gifts of the Spirit, did some uh, miracles. I was telling Pastor Quentin the other day, there's, there's six documented, medically documented cases where this man went in and prayed people back to life. Yeah, I don't know. I think resurrection is a miracle. What do you think? Uh, they were, I mean, pronounced dead by physicians. He told me it took him years to receive the Holy Spirit, the baptism. When he told me that, it, it blew my mind. Because this guy was operating at a level that very few people operate. He said, but you know, I just kept seeking, and I don't know why, but I just, it took me a while. It took me a while. Okay? So if it's taking you a while, don't worry. Okay? Keep seeking. All right? Now... I've just, I've just kind of hit some highlights here for you. Again, uh, I go into it in more detail in the book, but keep it simple. 
All right? If you want greater intimacy with God, you want to know him more, you want to be able to have dialogue with him every day and hear him, this is the vehicle for it. Okay, I know we've run a little over. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for your attention. I think what I want to do, for those of you who have to leave, uh, I thank you for coming. We'll be here again tonight. I'll be talking about a totally different subject tonight. So those of you who have to leave, thanks for coming. But I do want to open the altar up. For those of you who want prayer, particularly if God's been speaking to you about the baptism in the Holy Spirit, come on up and maybe over here on this side of the altar. Those of you who want prayer for anything else, you can come over here on this side. And Peggy and I will pray for you. As Pastor Quentin touched on, I'm a big believer in prayer. Everything, everything starts with that. Everything you do in life is a function of how much time you spend in prayer with with God. Pastor? Amen. Let's stand to our feet. So, Father, thank you for today. God, thank you for the word that was spoken. Lord, we just say today that we believe it. We receive it by faith today in Jesus' name. So, Lord, we pray, God, that you just bless your people as they go today. Father, thank you for refreshing them. And, Lord, those that are uh, hungry and uh, desire to be baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost, Father, we thank you for meeting us here today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Bless you guys.